Welcome everybody to episode 113. Today I'm here at the headquarters of Sharpenit together with the CEO and co-founder Tobias and I'm very excited to talk about efficiency of time, sales and its importance and obviously about the company itself, Sharpenit. Make sure to stay tuned. Welcome to episode 113 of the Startup Show. Today I'm here with the CEO and co-founder of Sherpany, Tobias. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here at, at your show. It's a great pleasure to be here. It's in your brand new office here in the old city of Zurich. I'm very excited. Um, you know, as usual on the Startup Show, I ask uh, my investors and my target audience what they would like to hear from um, the people I host on the show. And they said to me, one of the most important things is they want to get to know the person that is in the hot seat. <laughs> so if you could give us a brief introduction about yourself and your life, uh, that would be great. For myself, I was always very interested in technology. So uh, I started very early when I was still pretty small, being enthusiastic about technology. So I grew up with technology and then I started actually also getting involved yeah. with, with newer technology. But then I lost a bit in the track. With 18, I founded my first company, yeah. uh, which was in the security industry so when I was still at high school. And then I built up this company. We grew, we were quite successful in, in Switzerland. Then I started studying. Yeah. at the University of Zurich. Got there also some ideas to build some new startups, but then it was too much. Uh, I merged my security company with the existing company. We're still there active in this company. Uh, then during the study, I s founded actually my second startup uh, in the legal area. You today would call legal tech, <laughs> yeah. uh, but back then, that was about 2008 when I started that. Tried to build it up, uh, legal service online, which was uh, a disaster. It just <laughs> didn't work at all was working on it about one and a half years, then didn't take off. So stopped that and end of the study 2010. Actually back in 2009, I had the idea together with Roman to found Sherpany. Uh, we were studying in Siena in Italy. Uh, it was not that hard to study in Italy, so we had some time <laughs> to do something else. So we were, we were thinking a bit, discussing, and that's how it started with Sherpany. Found the Sherpany building with structure 2010 and in 2011, then we actually started Sherpany. And by then I also gave up the, the, the first startup yes. I founded with 18, and since then I'm working on Sherpany and building, let's say, my second real startup, the third trial. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so, you know, I have a lot of students who watch my show, and, yeah. and we always discuss, you know, like corporate versus entrepreneurship, and, you know, many people, especially, let's say, university I study, are concerned about, let's say, salary and stuff like mm -hmm. that. How do you perceive, let's say, entrepreneurship going, let's say you even started before studying, but let's say, you know, starting off as an entrepreneur and never really being hired by corporate? Entrepreneurship, it's something that it, it is a bit in your DNA. Um, I think everyone, to be very honest, if you're worried about your salary, probably you're not an entrepreneur. And this is not something bad. I wouldn't say it's bad or good, even though entrepreneurship currently is very sexy, probably in 10 years from now, it's not so sexy yes, anymore. And then sure. it's gonna be sexy again. So this is gonna change. But I think the most important thing, if you want to be an entrepreneur or if you want to be a great employee and become manager or CEO of UBS, it's also a great career, right? So I would say the most important part is to be honest to yourself. And probably if you worry about your salary, for example, that's already an indication that you're probably better off trying to do a career um, in the corporate world or even on a, with a startup, but not really going the entrepreneurship way. In your core, either you're interested in generating income, yeah. which is basically generating cash flow for you personally, or you generate assets, which is building a company. 
if you focus on, on cash flow, you're not, never going to be, be happy sure. really as an entrepreneur because you have to be focused on the assets, on building assets when you look at it from a financial perspective. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's start talking about sharpening. Okay. What I would like you to do, maybe give us a short pitch about like what you do so we, me and my audience, we're all on the same page yeah. now. Sharpening today focuses on meeting management. So close your eyes, imagine you have a week and you have no meetings. I mean, that, that would be probably the best week for every manager, for every leader out there. Currently, we have this paradox of we have meeting as being the most often used leadership tool, and on the other side, it's the biggest time consumer or time waster. In Sherpany, we try to solve this problem, to actually align the purpose of meetings, which is aligning, making sure we have the right decisions and we are productive with all the capabilities for effective management comes with digital. So we try to combine that focused on meetings to increase time effectiveness of meetings, so reduce the time waste of meetings and make them actually output oriented. So ultimately our customers can focus more on getting things done on yeah. one hand, but still having the advantages of meetings, which is basically aligning with each other and making sure we are all on the same page. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, on your website, you talk a lot about board members, uh, mm -hmm. board meetings and stuff like that. For me, it's personal. Like, I mean, like you just said before, you were still studying. So, or like at the end of your studies, how did you come up, let's say, focusing on board members? This was really, really much when we started with SharePoint, we had a, a, bit, a bit of a different focus. We focused on, we built a shareholder platform for interaction between companies and shareholders. And when I started pitching that in 2012, 2013, I had lots. I made about 100 pitches for my shareholder platform, and about the first 80 said, no, it's not gonna work, blah, 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 as usual. Then I got some customers, I got traction with, with our first product. Then it was interesting that the moment they started realizing we do something good, they started realizing that we're good in actually building beautiful, ultimately beautiful products. So our, our, we, we were always very focused on an elegant design. Then they came up and said, you know what? It's great what you're doing. After the 100th pitch, they said, ultimately, it's great what you're doing. Uh, so they said, it's great, what you're doing, but you know what? We have a way bigger problem. Yeah. We waste a lot of time in meetings. Yeah. And at that point, it was basically, they said, yeah, you know, uh, if I could prepare my meetings on my tablet, that would be great. Having everything on my tablet, not carrying any paper and stuff. And we thought that's easy. That, that cannot, cannot be difficult to do. So we started building our first uh, application for meeting management, which, which was very focused on just getting the documents on, in a secure way on your tab tablet. And that's what we launched. That's how actually what is our core business today started. And then the interesting part was that along the way we learned that meeting management has way, way bigger <laughs> and way more uh, details and process than what we covered till there. Yeah. We learned that in the 18 first 18 months of our of Sherpney boardroom in the hard way. And then we started from scratch. We, we rebuilt the entire uh, thing. Uh, from scratch and since 2016 we launched and boardroom 2, boardroom 3, which is really much focused on meeting management for leadership teams in general. Yes, yes. I mean like what, what I think is exciting, um, you know, we, basically you always hear like these people who are going to a meeting unprepared, but like I guess you get a lot of data of like if people actually looking at the data before or the documents before, is this something that you keep track of? So let's say you, you say like there's a minimum requirement, you can like track people before they go into a board. A meeting or I would say it's 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 a very interesting topic and it's a very challenging topic I mean we our main customers we have about 200 customers here in Switzerland all corporates bigger corporates from Nestle till I would say medium-sized companies yeah. so in general it, this is very interesting but it's also frightening 
for most of our customers. So they're like, why do you track us? Why should we look into that? So we start educating and say, you know what? It's not about finger pointing. It's not about showing that you know certain documents were not read or you were unprepared. It's about realizing that you're unprepared or realizing that documents or, or informations were not consumed and then actually going a step forward and say, why? Yes. And not just you didn't read it, it's stupid. It's maybe we should not have done it. Maybe it's unnecessary. Maybe we can just skip it. Because most effectiveness can be gained by reducing and making sure that you only have the information and that you distribute the information and focus on what is actually relevant. And if 10 people attend a board meeting or a management meeting and 10 out of 10 didn't read certain information, it can be very well that maybe it's just not important. So then we can spare time in having it and we can spare time for the ones that produce it, right? <laughs> or, or we can just say, in the beginning of the meeting, we'll make an overview. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, very good. Um, you recently uh, were pointed out as the fastest growing startup. I mean, you're also not one of the youngest startups on my show, rather at the higher end. Uh, but like, maybe you can say a little bit like how you were able to really get into this stage where you could accelerate growth, how you did that, maybe also like as kind of like keeping in mind other entrepreneurs who, who are thinking of how to do it. One thing that was in our focus from the very first day on was sales. For us, it was very clear that no one is going to just search for our product. It's very unrealistic that I'm going to build something that everyone wants, everyone has been waiting for. And even if they still need to get to know that you did that. We had a general rule. That's, that's one of my principles. You first sell and then you build. So we started selling always when we had, before we built anything to make sure that actually the market is interested try to talk to many, as many people as possible before you do anything. Yes. No one is going to steal your idea. 98, 98% is execution, 2% is your idea. So you have to get shit done and get boots on the ground. That's ultimately what counts. Yes. So you don't have to be afraid of that. So the more you talk, the more you know what you actually have to build and the earlier you will have actually customers. So I think one of our growth accelerators was sales, that we focused on direct sales. We were building up Salesforce right, right from day one. And we had certain times where we even had a, a challenge within Sherpany, whether we are actually a sales company or a product company, <laughs> even though we were really always looking at ourselves as being a product company. But sales was so much in the focus that we became uh, internally maybe more a sales company than a product company. Yeah, I think now we are on a, on a good level again. When you look at, let's say, the next couple of years, I mean, like it's getting, you know, the moment, let's say, also when you have investors on board, you know, about eight to 10 years, they want to see some kind of return. Where, where do you see that in the next couple of years for Sherpany? I would say we have a unique position or a unique opportunity for us to build uh, a European leadership and even maybe Europe and going east. Our main competitors are from the US. And we see in, in the corporate world a strong drift from against US because of Patriot Act, because of data protection, because of how things work. Mm -hmm. Trump is helping us uh, <laughs> in, in that respect. So we see that we actually, in, on, on cor for corporate software, we have a huge opportunity. As long as you deliver a product that is equal and just equal to the ones coming out of the US, you have a huge opportunity. Another opportunity that we have in addition is that we started way later than our competitors. <laughs> so at, as of today, our product is by far enhanced to the others in, in technology, but also, also in design. So how it is designed and, and how it's the look and feel. So I think we have a hu uh, great opportunity uh, in Europe to become the leader. So for us in the next couple of years, we want to accelerate our growth. So we will build up our sales force in, in, in Europe, but at the same time, we also look into M&A activities 
where we are going to be hopefully the buyer and not the seller. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting also growth yeah. uh, way to grow it is also at the later stage. Most early stage startups can't really afford that type of M&A, but it's interesting. I, wouldn't, I would disagree. Really? I would dis disagree, yes. Because when you think about I cannot afford, it's already a mental mindset you do. You're not going to be creative on how could we afford. And I would say, if it makes sense on a strategy perspective, make sure that you think about how you can afford it, not well, you can, we cannot. You, you can compete. You can outperform, or yeah, you can exactly. buy them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's yes. what you should you should think about that on a very early stage. I was surprised myself when I started to go into this direction, and actually, I actively called up um, the CEOs of all the companies I was interested, in, or we were afraid of, and I just called up and meet up with them and uh, start a conversation. It's really interesting if you go forward, if you try it out, and if you are actually. And then ultimately it counts. Maybe with one or two, you find that you have a good personal match and suddenly many things become actually reasonable and possible that you could have never imagined before. Absolutely. And therefore, I think thinking yeah, I'm too small, I cannot do that. Why? Absolutely. I mean, we are talking currently to other companies that are 10 times bigger than we are. Okay. But that's not hindering us from <laughs> believing that we can, yeah, or we can add such, uh, to certain aspects, so much value that joining forces will make sense and they will see it too. And the moment they see it, they're very open to find good solutions. Absolutely. Because ultimately, we all have the same game. We want to make a great business yeah. and we want to make a great service for our customers. And when we believe we join forces and suddenly the service is going to be better for customers, it's going to be better for everyone. Communication tools is one of the biggest topics at the moment. Maybe you can, I mean, like you have a lot of insights in how people communicate, what they're communicating, uh, maybe not content-wise, but how, are there like any, say, challenges that you see with the communication that you can point out based on your data that you currently see? There, there are two main challenges. One is, of course, uh, confidentiality. Even though you have like the tent of, with the new technology, with WhatsApp and so on, also board members, leaders, managers, directors start using WhatsApp also for business. And then you come in and you have the corporate world, which is basically, but that's not going to happen. I mean, how can it be that we have like sensitive conversations on a Facebook-owned channel? Yeah. That's like, <laughs> not so sure whether sure. this is a great idea. So in this respect, this is definitely a challenge. And what we see there is that there's also room for actually building communication channels which are confidential. And then the second part or second aspect is that probably also coming out of regulation and confidentiality or, or also the responsibility for what you say is that we believe there is a big tendency that communication should be forgettable. So Slack-like communication um, versus Snapchat-like communication where you say, okay, uh, the communication, what we discussed today, is going to stay recorded or I know it's not going to stay recorded. So people tend to move away from some channels for specific topics because the channel will record everything. So actually we see a, bit, a strong move into that, that you have actually forgettable channels that you say, you know what, when you have a conversation, it's going to be on, on there for, for sure, it's going to be there for 24 hours and then it's going to be for sure disappear, <laughs> even though this it's not always in the, in the interest of compliance, mm -hmm. but it's in the interest of actually also having conversational sensitive topics that you just don't want to have recorded. Absolutely. So, you know, to, to, to round up like kind of like this conversation, one of the things that like I did uh, before, I also asked a lot of uh, investors mm -hmm. what they would like to know about, you know, from the startups I, I host. And I always try to also get in some of the questions that they told me I should ask the startups. And one of the key things, I'm sure you're aware of it, is like the team. And they would like to know, there's always like one of the key questions is like, why do you have an A team? Like, what is it that like makes your team so much better, let's say, than 
your competitors or other teams? I have to make a small step back and say, I, I realized only along the, that way, actually building startup, how important the team is. Yeah. I think what we learned, probably on the hard way, and I think we could, have, we could be already further if we learned it earlier, is how important HR is. I think one thing is that what, what we learned, for example, and why we have an A team is we made it challenging to become actually part of Sherpany. So we increased a lot of steps into the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. So first you have an, an online assessment, or if you are, for example, an engineer, first thing is coding challenge, first interview, second interview, a trial day where you have to one day, an entire day be at the company. Even if you're from anywhere of the world, we fly people here to be here for a day, then you have a training week and so on. So we have a, a long cycle and many opportunities where you can fall out and it's hard. The first to, to, be, to come in, it's hard. In the beginning, we had we were afraid of that because we thought, okay, if it's too hard, I mean, it's a long they, process. Yeah, for they're process just to gonna give, give up. And, and, and still, the false positive. Yeah, you're not. Ruled and that out. was the same. It was the same thinking as I mentioned before. Yeah, we are small, so we have to be a bit open and take the ones that we can get. And it's not true. It's not true. Because what is really true turns out to be really true. A people hire A people, and B people hire C people. We know that, or we know it by now. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure, wasn't so much believing in that until yeah. I really saw it that it's actually happening. And by making sure you have a hard process, you make sure that you actually have people that once they start, they're already proud of that they made it. Yeah. And this brings a complete different dynamic into a team and into the organization because you know everyone is here for a reason. It's not by chance. Yeah. They're here for a reason. They went through a process and the process is for everyone the same. For every engineer it's the same. For every sales it's the same. For every customer success manager it's the same. The process is the same. So they know these people are here because they went did it. They made it. Yes. And that brings not just from a qualification perspective better members or better team members but it also brings you on the same level much faster because you know what you did until you were here absolutely and do you also see a decreased amount of let's say in false positive like people you hired that you should have not hired yeah it's a decrease yeah, yeah. definitely definitely it's a decrease i think it's both it's because we have stricter processes yeah. that helps and the other part is uh, because you get better you just learn it. <laughs> like you just learn it more often than you say. If, for example, it's, it's interesting. Along the way, when you have when you have hired, I don't know, 200 people already, uh, you you realize that whenever someone in the hiring team has a bad feeling, you can trust it. It's not going to go well. Maybe it goes well for six months, but it's not going to turn out well ultimately. So what we really learned is, if someone has a bad feeling, then not do it. Yeah. Because you still then have everything is great. And then you still can hire someone and he turns out not to be the right fit. Mm -hmm. But it never happened to me that you had a bad feeling and it turned out to be, your feeling turns out to be wrong and it's yeah. going to be a great, yeah. a great success. Never happened to me. Okay, good. Interesting, <laughs> interesting uh, insights into HR. Let's get into our second part of the show. We call this section The Audience Asks. Today I got a question that came in through WhatsApp. I have a WhatsApp group dedicated just to this with people who love to engage with my um, content. And today the question comes from Andreas uh, Page. He's um, in the digital business unit at Swisscom. Mm -hmm. I think you, you also heard of him. He asked, uh, we actually already started, but the second one is actually interesting. What is the problem you're solving and how do you ensure privacy and compliance? 
Yeah. What's the problem? Uh, I mean, we, we discussed it already. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, maybe you can it's, give so just like for the, for yeah. this section, so we have it again. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the problem we solve is this time waste versus being a leadership tool. So making making meetings effective, obviously, reducing time time waste with meetings. Uh, I think that's at least from from what we experience a big issue for everyone. It's like. I mean, leaders spend about 70 to 80 percent of their time in meetings. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's the problem we're trying to address, or we, we we address with our product. How do we ensure privacy and compliance? Compliance, I don't see that a big issue because it's very it's normal. It's pretty clear. You have some regulations. You just have to comply. We are ISO certified. We are FINMA attested, and so on. So you just make these tests or these certifications. You will make sure you have the processes in place. Now, just the, the, the new FINMA outsourcing regulation came out. We were looking at that. And the interesting part is most of these regulations mainly make sure or want to make sure that you have that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So basically, you need to be able to explain which risks you have or which risks you don't have, how do you mitigate them, what's the process behind. Yeah. So you can always make sure whether software is making you compliant or your processes or your organization. And once we understood that, it makes it also easier to deal with it. Because it's, it's when you really look into it, even though it's everyone is like, well, compliance is afraid. No, no, it's not like that. You just have to look into details, yes. understand how it works, and then you can uh, handle it quite easily, I would say. Um, because you just have to make sure that organization-wise it works. Privacy is something that is quite important for our customers. And with privacy, it's the same. It's one thing is make sure that you are in control of your data centers, of your storage, where you have your data, where is the data. Uh, then make sure you know why you collect data, because that's normally what you have to know when, you, when it's about privacy. And the third part is make sure that you limit access. Make sure that just a limited amount of people have access on a, on a need-to-know basis, let's say. Also, it's, it's dealable. Sure. But from an encryption point of view, what, what kind of tech do from, you From using? a stack, techno, technological stack, of course, we have classical e-bank standards, SSL, TLS encryption for, for, the, for the communication layer. Yes. And then we use actually from an application level down, or we use um, disk encryption, so full disk encryption. So actually for our hosting providers, it's irrelevant. So if, if you go into our hosting center, you can take uh, the, our servers, you can take it with you, you cannot do anything with it. <laughs> okay. And the same on mobile and local devices. So for example, on the, our app we have for iOS, so the app for Windows, they use also encryption. So it's everything that is stored within the, the sandbox, it's encrypted itself. So you decrypt it. So we are the first ones using soundproof. I don't know if you heard about no. Future Air startup. Started about a couple of, I would say, not even a year old, uh, soundproof two-way authentication, uh, which is really cool because it's until now two-way authentication is you get this code on your mobile yeah. phone and then you have to type in six digits. So soundproof does it differently, and you have to install the app, and then it com it it records uh, the noise surrounding the device on your computer and on your phone and then matches that. And then it knows whether your phone and your is computer is on the same place. Um, and that's the same with the Anton. You have the phone and you type in, so it's the same uh, level of security, but it's without user interaction. So you can have it in your pocket, you just log in, it does it automatically, done. Okay, good. Uh, interesting. So Again, that's, yeah, that's you know, maybe, increasing. Maybe you, maybe you can convince Andreas he's himself. He's also on the board, I think, from NetGuardian and Advanon. I'm sure you heard of these two yeah. startups. So he himself is maybe a potential user, I don't know. Uh, so let's get into the next section. Within your team, what messaging platform does your team use to communicate efficiently? 
Hangout und Slack. Finish the sentence. My biggest mistake as a startup is caring too late about HR. <laughs> What's your best advice for getting an investor? Get boots on the ground. Sales. 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 Do sales. Do sales. Best thing you can get an investor and best thing to get independent. <laughs> um, who do you admire in the startup world? Elon Musk. <laughs> Why? For me, he's really thinking out, out of the box. And because what he inspires me most is that he rethinks processes from a complete new point of view. Yeah. He didn't just put the battery in the storage place of a car, but he thought, okay, where can I put it else? Where can I get, get advantage out of a battery? Putting it down on a car, you can go fast through a curve, right? It's rethinking, not just digitally translate or translate what is there, so just copying physical world into digital world, but really translating and saying, what, what is the advantage of the technology? And then rethink the processes or whatever you do, rethink it from scratch and under these new conditions, then find the best solution. Yeah. I mean, he is probably the most mentioned person on my show, but that's good. Um, <laughs> what would you like to see in the next five years in your ecosystem? Let's say if we look at the startup, Swiss startup ecosystem, is there anything that you would say like, yeah, like that should we as a, as a community work on? I have to say, I, I have to come back to the same. It's sales. <laughs> it's sales. I think it's focus is extremely strong on funding. Make sure that we have also later stage funding. That's the hot topic right now. Yeah. I have to disagree. For <laughs> me, it was not, it was easy to find money. And I think it was easy because we were focusing on sales. And I think the big mistake what we currently do is when we look at the US, we always look at they have big funding rounds and big investors, but look at how they do sales. It's like one of the core competences, all the big startups, mm -hmm. mastered very early and brought in very early talents and professional workers mm -hmm. into the sales area. How do, I, how do I go to market? And I think that's something that we don't talk enough because we talk always, we need also big financing round. Yeah, if you do big financing round, you need to have, you need to know how to sales. Yeah. Because that's, that's, your, that's the way you want to invest the money. So you better make sure you know how to do that. Good, okay, good. So thank you very much for this uh, little quick fire um, Q&A. Um, so now is your time to give us a little nugget of wisdom over for the next generation that what you want to be remembered for. If you can have, you have about, let's say, 60 seconds to give us some advice where you would say like, well, that's where I'm kind of like my expertise lies. I think but my advice is the motto of our company is get time back. I think in, in today's world, we have to focus very much on, on our time. I mean, what is really limited, if you're good, what is limited is your time. You have your lifetime and that's it. It's going to end. Money is never going to end. Resources are never going to end that you need to, to be successful about your lifetime. That's the most, most valuable part. So make sure that you get time back, that you are very, very effective in, in how you use your time. Um, and I think that's something that I would focus on. And a little advice to move forward. What we do at Chirpany also is uh, get time back in meetings. So whenever you have a meeting that takes one hour, make sure it ends after 55 minutes. If you have a meeting that takes 15 minutes, end it after 13 minutes. And make sure that you get time back out of each meeting. Yeah. Two minutes, three minutes. This will increase your effectiveness tremendously because you have three minutes time to take a coffee. Uh, three minutes that were blocked to think about what you just discussed and to think what's going to happen next. And your customer is going to love that. If you have customer meetings and you end earlier, 
and you say, you know what, last five minutes are for you. I give you this time back. It's like the best way you can end uh, a meeting with providers, with your employees, with, with everyone. So that's something I do and uh, something that turned out to be extremely powerful for yourself and for the others. It's a, it's a very simple tool but it's very, very much focused on win-win for both. Sounds like the mindfulness uh, movement. So that's uh, absolutely a good uh, way to end this show. Be mindful about your time and conscious about living. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank and you thank you very much, everybody who stayed all the way till the end of this video. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next week with a new episode of The Startup Show. Have a great day. <laughs>